0: Yo, what's going on, everyone? It's Brian and Jim here with Drink a Beer and Play a Game, and welcome to the Power Hour. Now, obviously, last week we unfortunately missed an episode. If you can hear my voice, I'm still carrying a little bit of a cold, still sick as shit. So, apologize if the audio is a little off from my end. But, uh, yeah, we're back. Say hi to you. And
1: I just (laughs) accidentally hit my mic. God damn it. Sorry about that. Hi, everyone. You're not really going to see my face this time because my mic clip broke. So this delightful silver tinge right here is actually insulation tape for my dryer because I couldn't find duct tape. Tonight's going great. Yeah, between my cold and his
0: setup, it's it's going to be interesting. But One for the ages. If you're listening live, I apologize even more. If you're watching on YouTube, then hopefully we edit out any of the knocks and any of my breathing or any of the bullshit you'd hear. But, obviously, as we always get started, let's first talk about what we're drinking. Now, I'm going with the Pennsylvania Brewing Company's Nut Roll Ale. It's uh, their, like, winter, Christmas time winter ale has flavors reminiscent of a nut roll. It's actually pretty solid. And as you'll see throughout tonight, I'm actually drinking it out of my little Viking horn because I wanted to. So, God damn it. Jim, don't be a jelly donut.
1: Jelly donut. Yeah. It's a donut. It's filled <laughs> with jelly. Yes, yes, I understand. I know what a jelly donut is, goddammit. I don't get this exquisite physique by not knowing what a jelly donut is. Jim, what are you drinking? God. <laughs> I am. Ah, fuck. <laughs> I am actually drinking the Hop and Frog Hopped Up Goose Juice. It is a rye IPA, 7% alcohol by volume. Mmm. It is American hops dominate the rye IPA, creating an assertive citrus and passion fruit <laughs> character. An old world flavor from rye malt adds the perfect complement to Goose Juice's big, satisfying hop flavor and aroma. Originally home brewed by our beloved Jesus brewer Christ. Goose, its wonderful combination of flavors inspired us to brew this specialty IPA.
0: I, I'm assuming you're, when and you I'm you drinking do, it out of a big boy tonight. You're re- you're reading it um, off the internet when you're doing that.
1: No, I'm reading it off the bottle. I mean, I memorized it. I memorized it.
0: Oh, okay. Because we're professional.
1: That's goddamn right.
0: (laughs) All right. So the first thing, obviously, we always start with some beer topics. Kind of speaking about, since it's a perfect season, winter warmers. Um, And if we like them, what they offer. Now, to give most people background, if you're not familiar, winter warmer is really kind of broken down into – two major categories. They're usually considered Christmas ales, or the wassail. It's another term for it, obviously. What? It's not what yeah, it's the term for this type of beer. Um, there's supposed to be a very specific way brewers are brewing it, um, but they typically all are brewed with, you know, typical flavoring, mixed with nutmeg, cinnamon, allspice, cloves, all the typical shit you would expect from winter, just like in cookies and shit. Uh, now, each, each brewer can throw in random shit and make it a little more spicy, a little less spicy. But in the end, it should be slightly above average in alcohol um, with some kind of spice. If it has no spice, I don't really think you can consider it a winter beer. So, now that you know the history, uh, Jim, i kind of let you go first. What are your feelings on winter warmers and do you like them? Do you think they're too spicy? Where are you at with them?
1: Um, nah, for the most part, most wintery beers that I've had, I've kind of enjoyed. Um, They don't seem to be quite as harsh as, say, IPAs are typically, or some of the more crafty, crafty beers. Some of them seem to be, I don't know, in a weird way, kind of smooth, at least in my palate. Or maybe it's just been destroyed after all this time. But for the most part, I can't really think of a winter beer that I've had that I really didn't enjoy that much.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> a lot of people, like, the more famous winter beers are ones we talked about last week, like Mad Elf, Rude um, But, Love like, them. any beer that technically says winter lager, winter ale um, should have some of those characteristics I've said. Now, some people might just have a beer with snow on it, and it really isn't a winter ale, and they're just trying to cash in on the season. But um, What do you mean,
1: like Bell's is a uh, winter ale?
0: Uh yeah, actually that's probably a good example. But aha. Uh-huh. But I mean, I like the fact that brewers at least will throw in the variety. We know some hardcore beer fans. If it's not just a strict IPA or or one of the more standard style brews, if it has any type of all spice or spice that could make it taste a little more friendly, they don't they don't like to consider that a true brew for whatever stupid reason. Um but for us We obviously enjoy and try everything. Um,
1: Yeah, definitely. And I've been... For the most part, yeah, the... Especially if they're in the rude elf, mad elf kind of category, then I know exactly what you're talking about. And Oh, those are delicious. And who hates nutmeg? Seriously.
0: There's some crazy people out there. That's all I can say. Assholes. That's who. (laughs) Um, All right, so... Then moving on to the next beer topic. And this is one where, Jim, I actually had the pictures or the links um, in our drive. But I, want to, I mentioned it very briefly last time we talked. Uh, Trogues and their label change. Now, Trogues oh. is a special brewery for us because they are local. And we actually do enjoy a lot of their beers. However, um, and obviously if you're watching the video on YouTube i'll have the pictures up here's a side-by-side comparison of their old style and their new style for a few of their different beers um reading this article that i have attached in the links below they went to pair with a local artist and want to go with a much more simplistic logo and to more emphasize the beer and make it a less dark logo for whatever reason that is in my opinion i mean obviously it's much simpler but it's almost too simple, and it almost makes them seem like a more amateur brewery in my eyes. And I know that might be a little harsh because I know the quality of their beers, but I don't know. Their labels were one of the ones I actually really appreciated and liked, and now I like almost kind of can't stand them. And to a degree, it's like looking at their labels, I'm like, oh, do I even want to pick up this beer? And I know it's a stupid reaction to beers I've had, but... I really hate the label change, and I really wish they'd go back to more complex art style that they had before.
1: My phone's taking goddamn forever right now to load the pictures, but, I mean, just speaking about the old logos, um, Mad Elf, you know, big, goofy design, it's eye-catching. Nugget Nectar, with that big, gigantic hop right on the front there, and, like, you know, a real in-your-face kind of look. All their old labels really had eye-popping stuff. It's a reason you probably go to it. Like, I can't imagine one of those gigantic... You know the Mad Elf uh, Christmas Packs where it's in that gigantic bottle? It's like $300. Yep. I can't imagine that with the new logo. It just seems really, really silly to me.
0: Yeah. Because
1: it's going be to be a red box with a white face on it.
0: Yeah. And, and that's the thing I think that bothers me the most is that... <laughs> take Mad Elf, Troganator is probably one of my best examples. It's kind of got like oh. a bunch of crazy symbols, the big like kind of, I guess like Germanic, nomadic style guy on the front of it, whatever that symbol is supposed to be. It was a kind of really cr- crazy label, but it looked cool. Now it just looks like a Starbucks coffee cup. I, I, I don't know how else to put it. It's like a tiny label and then goofy shit around it. So I don't know. I'm disappointed yeah. that they changed that shit and it's one of those deals where a brewery yeah. has any right to do anything they want with their products. Uh but like why would you change one of the potential aspects that made you so famous in the first place? Um
1: Yeah, I'm looking at the new Nugget Nectar label right now and like I get it it's similar to the old one, but it's, I mean, just very it's I got a very minimal It's a real muted color scheme. It's I don't know. For some reason, Trogues looks like it's in a guitar pick now. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not bad, per se, but it's just not as eye-catching and eye-popping. Yeah. Maybe Um, they're trying to be taken more seriously. I don't know.
0: Well, that's what I don't get. I mean, one beer company that always tends to get me with their labels, yet I don't like a lot of their beers, is uh, Flying Dog. I love their label styles. And other than a handful of their beers, a lot of them I don't really like, but... I gotta be honest, I I keep buying their shit because that's a kind of cool-looking label, and let's see. So, call me a sucker. Dude,
1: Hop Back, it's just words now, and like a splash. Yep. Oh, dude, this is weak, 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 weak.
0: Yeah, so... Not sure what they're thinking. Uh, Like I said, you can read this article for yourselves. They kind of just took the approach they wanted more minimalist, and... It just, for me... It's definitely...
1: it's just more step in the stylized. Wrong I'm not gonna say it's more. Yeah, it's not more artistic. I'll say, or maybe depending on your taste, but I guess it's a little more stylized. But eh.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sty- I mean, I just look at it like they took the most minimalistic approach and tried to keep it like simple, like almost like they're trying to go chic with it. Like maybe they thought they were too cartoony before. I don't know, but.
1: Yeah, they want to be sold more in hipster bars now. It looks like.
0: Yeah, that's unfortunately what it looks like. So yeah, I mean, it sucks, but that's that's what happened.
1: Now, keeping with that, can you think of any other beer companies that really crazily changed their labels like that? Because so far, I can't.
0: So I you're more actually, the beer guy than I am. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Um Honestly, one of the weirder ones that might have worked for them was Evil Genius. Before they became so uniformly with the fonts, um, they've always had the crazy names for their beers. But if you look back at some of their old examples of um, their Forsaken Ale or I'm trying to... The Pure Evil, like, it was a, like, legit skull or it was, like, actual drawings. Now, they weren't... I'm not going to say they were the greatest labels, but... They changed to a very uniform, each beer now has its own kind of unique color. Like they have a, you know, Purple Monkey Dishwasher is bright purple. They have uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle one that's bright green. They have a bright yellow. So they have very distinct colors for all their beers now. And just very quirky names, which kind of draw you in. And that uniformity almost, <clears throat> it made it interesting because the labels they had prior just weren't stylized enough to give them, I guess, a unique color like flavor whereas in trogues as we were mentioning trogues did have a unique style even with every label being different you can kind of tell that artists kept their flavor for each bottle style Um, that's probably the biggest example i've had i mean i guess it's been a controversial topic for other major beer labels like anytime Coors or bud would change the style of their Writing or label or stuff, you know, they went, they came back with the classic uh, Coors can after a long amount of time, so it's something the that happens, beer. yeah. So it's something that happens, but I feel like with the indie guys, it's kind of weird that you would want to change something, especially when it was one of your highlights. But yeah, you know, people do what they gotta do,
1: yeah. Apparently, um, yeah, because. To go back to Evil Genius, I mean, they definitely made the less-is-more approach work, and I guess time will tell to see how people get used to drugs, but man, I really like the old ones.
0: Yeah. So, I I actually still have a bottle of Mad Elf from last year, and in this video, once again, when it's edited, I'll hold up the two bottles side-by-side, and you guys can be the judge for your own opinion. Um, Yeah,
1: my in-law actually left me a uh, Mad Elf from last year, so I had that age in a little while.
0: Nice. Alright, so the next topic. And Jim, you wrote this up, so I'll let you explain, but it's our Which is Better series. And Jim has a, a goddamn weird one. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to call it weird.
1: <laughs> Alright, so this one I'm going to go into the realm of box art. And if you look at art in video game covers now, it's kind of meh. It's always some guy just kind of standing there. But man, back in the 80s and 90s, they came up with just some goofy ass shit but god it's cheesy as hell but i loved it so i'm doing two from the early sega genesis days so we're gonna be comparing herzog's why against what don't 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 You pick the
0: two most obscure goddamn shooters you could
1: thunder force 2 actually herzog's why is a real-time strategy game
0: that's even worse real but real old primitive one I, 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 I'll weigh in my top my, my opinion real quick. Um, on one hand, I do to agree, gi- agree with Jim. The artwork on old-time games definitely was a lot more... They were more caricatures Creative. of the games, and a lot of times the they would be highly deceptive because they would sell games based on an awesome label that would have like nothing to do with the game. So that's just my little spiel about covers. But anyway... Looking at these two, obviously they're both just essentially the fighter jets doing whatever they do. In my opinion, the Herzog, Swy, or whatever you called it, that game's cover has a lot more going on, and it has a giant robot, so it automatically wins. The other one is just kind of boring, where it just has lasers coming out of them, and what it's shooting at just looks like a, essentially, a, I don't know, what is it, a base or a battleship? Some kind of base. Eh, it's a base. So, yeah, definitely the first label looks better. I do like the idea for this topic. I just wish you picked better-looking labels, you son of a bitch.
1: Well, Brian, next time you can think of it first. (laughs) And I think these are
0: awesome-looking labels. Of course. Are these, like, two of the games you had as a child?
1: No, I got these later on. Damn it, Jim. What?
0: But go ahead. Let's hear your opinion. And, yeah,
1: I picked these two in particular, too, because they both have the... The fighter jet in the foreground so kind of similar make it a little harder to really pick between the two of them but yeah herzog's wise got giant robots so i have to go with that as well but i do like thunder force because it's a jet that's shooting in like 17 different directions at once but i mean come on big ass giant robots you can't beat that bry yeah bry
0: no, no. okay Yo, you, yeah no i was just i was i thought you, it was gonna uh no, no, I was just letting you finish. Now, that is an interesting topic. Now, let me ask you, as kind of an expanded on these, uh, mentioning on. what I said, how sometimes the labels can be deceptive. In that Herz- but- In that Herzog game, do you yeah. fight giant robots?
1: You can spawn robots that you have to drop off at bases. So, yes, you can be fighting robots.
0: Okay, and... I mean, I, I take it just from the cover of that Thunder Force 2. It's just a... Is it an overhead shooter, or like side-scrolling shooter?
1: This one's actually both overhead and side-scrolling. The later mm-hmm. ones are just straight side-scrolling.
0: So is it kind of on the, on the level of like Gradius or something?
1: Yeah, like Gradius or Life Force or Salamander or... I was about to say Thunder Force, but that's what we're talking about. Damn Oops. it! But yeah, something like that. Son of a bitch.
0: Now, like I said, I actually do really like this as a topic for which is better. um, Because I know I have a lot of games I'm definitely going to be able to compare. So, um, yeah, I mean, you got anything else for that, Jim?
1: Nah, not really. I just thought these looked cool and I want you to put the picture up on YouTube so everyone can see. Damn it. I'm here to teach people, Bri.
0: And obviously, if you're watching this, if you have any suggestions for Cover art that's really cool that you think we should compare, or that yeah you, know, you just want to hear us talk about, let us know. So the next one, and this is another topic by Jim. Uh, he just asked the very simple question of video game award shows. Do we watch them? Um, I guess I'll go first. And when I was a kid, that was never really a thing. I guess maybe 10 years ago it really started becoming more and more popular and as much of a hardcore gamer as i am uh what is the game shows right now like e3 the video game awards i don't even know the name of them but
1: e3 is really just like a tech expo the only real video game awards show out there i guess is the video game awards (laughs) that just happened
0: yeah um
1: very creative name
0: um, number one, I'll just say I'm not an award show guy. I mean, that's all kind of self-fulfilling circle jerks. And in the video game realm especially, it's like we have hard enough times comparing and reviewing games. And if you do things like game of the year, this or that, it's so goddamn subjective. And chances are they're just going to go with what was popular and not really care about what is considered actually a good game or not. Um, so, I never really watch them, and and I see highlights from them, and who wins sometimes. And I think maybe, like, three times I've ever really agreed. Uh, video games is just one of those avenues that I don't think needs an award show, because, like, I, I don't know. It just, it just doesn't seem like a smart idea.
1: Yeah, um, I'm also in the realm of, I don't watch them, but... I do kind of think they're interesting, and I'd like to see one work, but at least up to this point, they've kind of had a lot of problems. I mean, there are the old – what were they? The VGX Awards that Spike used to have, something like that? Yeah. And, like, they would make all these mistakes. I mean, no matter what, these video game award shows always seem to just be big trailer fests, and they give out a couple of awards. But it always has, you know, hosts that don't want to be there, like Jamie Kennedy a couple of years back – Or who went and made fun of gamers the whole time, which, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Or you have, like, the most recent Video Game Awards that had those hip-hop artists that had nothing to do with the games. Where the other thing they had was the guy who made the music for this year's Doom played the songs from this year's Doom. Shit that actually makes sense. And, I mean, they have a couple... A lot of them, they were just, like, passingly say what won what without giving the other nominees. And they don't explain what quantifies every single award. There's just so many problems. And did you happen to hear about the Schick Hydro Man? No,
0: I did not. But I, I'll be happy for you to tell me so I can get pissed off.
1: All right. So, basically, Schick was a big sponsor for this one. So, in order, instead of just, you know, showing a commercial or saying, hey, this was sponsored by Schick... They went the route of having skits with a guy in a giant costume uh, with a razor on the head. And it happened a few times. And I don't like using uh, cringeworthy, but that's about as close to ever saying it as I'm going to get because it was just, it was bad. Uh, that's, uh,
0: that's dog dick ugly right there. There's no excuse for that. Um,
1: yeah, I've seen better dog dicks. <laughs>
0: Damn it, him. What? I don't even know what to say to that. But now that right there the problem is <clears throat> you want curb appeal you want a reason for people to tune in and I'm sorry, me and Jim we were, we were both engineers video game developers, those people they're not rock stars, they're not fascinating people, half the time they're kind of goofy looking they're not the people who should be in the spotlight so you can't have them really doing all the promoting, because unless you're a hardcore fan, I'd say probably 80% of gamers couldn't tell you who developed their the game they're playing, what you know, what publisher did, like they won't be able to tell you any of that information, um, because they don't care. So you have to get celebrities yeah. who don't give a shit about the games, and it just comes off as really fake. So yeah, just you know, a game, I, I I've never bought a game because it's won an award. I don't even care when they're like oh, I don't care what you subscribe to, IGN or GameSpot or any of the major, major online game reviews, I've never bought a game because it's like, oh, that was IGN's Game of the Year. I better try that shit out. Like, no. So I don't know how many people base their opinions of games on the amount of awards they've won, but for me, it's never meant a single thing.
1: Yeah, I guess same here. I mean, I guess it's good when certain titles get that Game of the Year edition release because... It's kind of like a greatest hit, but just, you know, fancier because it'll come with way more content. And a lot of the time, that's when I'll finally pick it up because I hate buying DLC. But outside of that, yeah, I don't give a shit about what awards a game wins. A ton of the games I love never got an award, like Parasogs. Why?
0: Yeah, but that makes sense for the games you like. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, now it's an interesting topic. So obviously, if anyone who's watching this video, if you did, if you do watch video game awards, do you enjoy them? Why do you enjoy them? And what do you think they could do to make them better? Because obviously, me and Jim we're just not the type to watch that. Um,
1: yeah, and I, I mean, probably broadcasting it directly to YouTube, I think, doesn't help either because it'll be hard enough to get mass appeal for something like this, much less putting it on a platform that isn't as easily available as, say, broadcast TV.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a good point.
1: Yeah, now um, what would host it, God only knows, but, yeah, I don't know.
0: I mean, and hey, if you're an award show and you need Jim and I to host it, we'll, we'll take care of it for you. <laughs>
1: yeah, we'll take that bullet for you. <laughs>
0: um. All right, so the next topic. Uh, I always kind of feel like these are going to be – more controversial than they are, but this one has probably the best chance of any of the ones we've done. It's overrated, underrated. Um, for those of you who know, we just talk about a specific topic and ask, is it overrated or underrated? So, because of potential news of Shenmue 3, the video game, I thought back to sh- the original Shenmue, and I was one of the early buyers of the Dreamcast. I had Shenmue, I played it a lot, um, and I feel like even to this day that game is just regarded as one of the holy grails of the Dreamcast, and if not, just you know, a game-changing game for the industry in general. So, the one thing I don't, I can't tell from people's opinions about the game is, I feel like sometimes they're. Never really mentioning is the game actually that fun or that good versus just the technologies that implemented to make it so revolutionary. My personal opinion, having played it and enjoyed it, is that it was still overrated. Now, I will not at all take away from the fact that, yeah, the day-to-night transitions, the fact that npcs and bots had actual schedules to uphold to an open world that you could interact with way more than any other game before like being able to open closets doors drawers that level of exploration in a live city was unheard of but when you broke down the core game it went from quick time event to talking to a person to kind of just traveling around and I'm not even going to mention how great the graphics were for the time, because obviously the game looked beautiful. Um, but as a core game, I just found myself getting bored with it. It was like looking at a shiny new car that, Mike do it just couldn't. Oh, sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're good. Okay. So it was just like buying a really pretty looking car that had a whole bunch of shit, but the core driving abilities just weren't there, if that makes any sense. Like I said, I think it's overrated. I'm not... Historically, I will never say it's overrated, but as a game goes and how fun it was, yeah. It it didn't really push that many boundaries, and it, it was a really cool game that I think without it, we wouldn't have a lot of great titles we do today, but I still have to say the core game was overrated from people's reaction to it.
1: <laughs> um Bro, I fixing your mic again, but while Bri does that, um, I never played Shenmue. I actually <laughs> I didn't have a Dreamcast until fairly recently, so I've watched people play it. I've seen people talk about it online. And, yeah, it seems like a cool game with how open it is. Um, I heard about the infamous... Um, is it the very end of the game when you're basically working at a dock and using a forklift?
0: Yeah, well, there's there's a lot of situations in that game where you just kind of do realistic, more realistic activities. But, um, yeah, it's been a while since I played it. I can't remember when you do goofy shit like that.
1: Yeah, I think it's in and out. Like, I hear, actually, from what a lot of what I see, I mean, for the most part, people give it a lot of love. But the people who don't like it seem to really hate it. And, I mean, not for the technical side, but kind of like you said, the boring parts, how goofy it is. You can pretty much bash the voice acting in it, too, from what I've seen. So um, without having any better really kind of clue to say whether or not it's overrated or underrated, I'll say for its time, it's just right. And for today's day and age, I honestly don't know. Jim, I'm just going
0: to have to build you a safe space, a safe space for all your safe answers. You want to try that
1: again? (laughs) You want to try that again? You're always like,
0: I'll say it's in the middle.
1: Pussy. What? <laughs> Look, you're, you're the just, one who put Shenmue one there, and I'm like, ah, fuck, I've never played this.
0: Well, I'm sorry, you, you're not a true gamer because you play games like Hell or like whatever the fuck that game is, Hellzig. Oh shit!
1: <laughs> try it again.
0: <laughs> no, nah, I, I said it right. It was bullshit.
1: <laughs> no, nah, I mean, I do definitely plan on getting around to playing it, but I mean, didn't uh, isn't like the Yakuza series kind of a spiritual successor to it?
0: The idea of the living city it is. And I I, I guess there's certain aspects because, you know, they're all Asian, so.
1: (laughs) Okay, so that could be like three quarters of all video games ever made. Great. Hmm. Everything goes back to Mario. God fucking damn it. But yeah. All
0: right. um. All right. All right. So the next topic is going to be. What is your favorite video oh,
1: right. game... Real, Real quick, Snarkast in the chat saying, yeah, I can hear you. But Snarkast in the chat saying, yeah, it's overrated too. He was a huge fan when it first came out, but it's not aged well at all. And I can definitely see that.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you, Snarkast. Um, all right, so the next is, what was your favorite syst- like video game system add-on? Um, and- yeah. To give examples, not anything that, like... I'm not trying to say something that allowed more people to play, like the uh, the NES, what, what was it called, the connect, um Fuck, my mind's drawing a blank. The thing that allowed four players, the four score the four or whatever. Scored? Yeah. Um, not something like that, but something more that was actually different um, for the game or implemented a different mechanic for gameplay. Um for me, uh, I'd probably have to go with something as simple. It's kind of, I'm kind of torn. But any type of light gun, and to be more specific, the NES Super Scope, or the Xbox, um, the new Xbox, I should say. Fuck. I, I, I'm, my mind's all off. Sorry, guys. I am on medication. But the Xbox 360 Kinect, um, as far as motion sensor, you know, add-on or devices i felt like that was the most accurate so i mean those two the super scope who the fuck doesn't love holding a giant bazooka and shooting at your tv sure it wasn't always the most accurate but it was just something that being such a fan of any type of weapons i had to have it as a kid and i know there wasn't a lot of games for it but i got a shit ton of fun out of it Uh, i don't have one anymore And that's okay, because I know unless I use my older, older TV, I can't even use it. But, uh, yeah, no, that was cool. And as far as the Kinect, like I said, I I actually did play more games than I thought I would on the Kinect. And the motion capture was always better than any of the other systems at the time. I don't use it anymore. But for a little bit of time, I did. I enjoyed it.
1: All right. Uh... I guess I'm going to go at this from two different ways. I'm going to say my favorite in theory, or at least the ID behind it, and then my actual favorite. So, and they're both going to revolve around the Sega Genesis. Oh, Jesus Christ. So, right? Don't. So, you'll need to put a picture of this up there, and you have to do a little Google research. But my favorite in theory back in the day was the Sega Activator. So, basically what that was was... I forget if it was a hexagon or an octagon. And it might have been a decagon. I was going to keep saying gone. Goncagon, uh, gone, gone, gone. But basically what it was. Yeah, I know. Thank God I'm home. But basically what it was was a really early attempt at motion controls. So it would, according to it, it's basically just a bunch of little plastic pieces you connect together. You stand in the center. And the way you move your arms out or kick or whatever the hell you do with it is how you would control the game. So obviously it was made for fighting games, but it was kind of also used for brawlers. Weirdly enough, my copy of, and maybe it's all of them, I'm not sure, but Mortal Kombat 2 on the 32X uh, defaults to the activator as the control input. So I guess there was a time they were actually trying to push for it. I remember Eternal Champions was always marketed with it and shit like that. From what I saw, the thing was a hunk of shit, like it just didn't work at all, but I remember as a kid seeing in his magazines. I always wanted to get one,
0: hmm.
1: and my favorite actual add-on. And because I'm one of the few defenders of it, I'm going to go with oh, the Jesus 32x. Jesus Christ! I knew it, <laughs> motherfucker! <laughs> oh my god! I love the 32x. Why? I mean, unfortunately, I lo- I'm going to come at it from how I came at it in my personal life because I didn't buy it. It was given to me by my uncle after he gave away most of his Sega shit. So I got it for free. And with it, I got... Basically, it all goes back to the first time i ever experienced it, and I've kind of loved it ever since. So when I was a kid, I'd be over my one cousin, who was basically the rich cousin, and he had a giant like projection TV with a full stereo surround sound, and he had all the video games and all the consoles, and he had a 32X and a Sega CD. So when I was over there and after he first got it, we were playing like Doom and virtual racing and Star Wars arcade and being the Star Wars nut that I am, it just friggin' blew me away to hear like stereo surround sound and to hear TIE fighters coming at me from behind and to have the, I mean, very simple, obviously, but the 3D polygons that worked kind of well for the time, even though it was a bit of a rush game, but I mean, honestly, it was a great way to play nearly arcade perfect ports of games. Like Mortal Kombat 2 was amazing on it. Uh, Afterburner and Space Harrier on it. I mean, they were older games by then, but they were near perfect ports. Uh, the port that they had of Virtua Fighter is amazing for how limited the console is. Um, yeah, I mean, it had Knuckles Chaotix, which is kind of meh, but games like Virtual Racing are really fun. I don't know. I think it gets a lot of flack and yeah, it has its share of crap games and that doesn't help when it only has 32 games released for it, but for like the 10 or so that are worth getting, I don't know. I think it's fun. I love the damn thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest problem people had, especially back in the day, is what was the average cost of that thing brand new?
1: Oh, oh, I think it was either like 120 or 150 bucks. Like it definitely was not worth the money. Yeah, I'll, I'll put that right out there.
0: And, and that's the problem. It's like, yeah, sure, if you play, if you get it, get it today, you can probably get it for 50 cents or a dollar. Um, and if you emulate the games, like Jim said, yeah, they're obviously a clear graphical and sound step up from the original Genesis. But I don't know. Like, back then, that's probably why people have such a hate for it, is that you made something with 32 games, and then you went even further and made a CD edition on top of that, and you needed both. Like, well, that came first. Did it, really? Yeah,
1: no, no, Sega I'm CD
0: saying, was first. Huh. I, well, didn't they have a specific set of games, though, that required both 32X and the second CD?
1: There is maybe, like, four of them, but yeah, there oh, are a okay. few.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. It was just like... That is was just kind of like, for all the things Sega did right back in the day, that was just such a clear, whoring money grab, like what Nintendo's doing these days. So, yeah, I think that's probably people's bigger problem.
1: Yeah, I mean, even Snarkaz is saying right now, actually it was 160 when it first came out. And when it first came out, there really weren't that many games with it. It just kind of gave you six $10 coupons. Which he used to get Star Wars Arcade and Virtual Racing. It's actually funny because, like, as people know, I'm a Genesis, big Genesis collector. And whenever I'm at, like, local game stores and shit like that, the mom and pops, the only 32X games you'll ever see are Star Wars, Virtual Racing, and Doom, pretty much. Like, those are the ones you're going to find easily. Maybe NBA Jam, maybe WWF, WrestleMania, the arcade game. But. Besides that, like a lot of the ones like Calibri or Metalhead and especially the Spider Man game, you never see. So not like people really bought them. It's kind of a reason why the prices are more than I would ever really want to spend for a lot of these games, but yeah, it definitely did not get a lot of traction or get passed around too much.
0: Hmm. Yeah, so this was just another just random topic. We know there's a gazillion very useless add ons that were added to game systems and we know there were some actual pretty good ones but I mean these are just yeah. Ones I, like... I think
1: yeah um, I was going to say I like how we both picked ones that are good in certain ways but for the most part were complete failures we didn't pick yeah. like unfortunately we didn't grow up with like the TurboGrafx CD which really made the games a lot better and expanded the library or like the Famicom disc system which we grew up in America so of course we're not going to have that
0: yeah no, I mean, like I said, it's something that I I, I try to think t- nowadays, like other than the actual Kinect or the PlayStation I, do systems really have add-ons anymore?
1: Um, Nah, not really. Nothing that I can think of. I mean, really, add-ons and accessories, it's kind of hitting me. Like when I think add-on, I think of like a console add-on, like, the CDs, like, you know, Sega CD, Graphics, Atari Jaguar, or the Famicom Disk things. I think the other things are kind of more accessories, but even then, most consoles really don't have accessories anymore. The last real push I can remember, besides like the move and connect, was all those useless plastic pieces of crap that they sold for the Wii. So it'd be like, oh, i have a tennis racket, or I'm shooting a gun.
0: But Jim, what about that? The latest Nintendo ad on the uh, next or Switch? <laughs> God damn it.
1: Don't, See what I did there?
0: See what I did there? I just called it an add-on. You don't care. Yes,
1: yes. I, uh, <laughs> always poking that bear.
0: That's right. All right. <clears throat> so, yeah, if you're watching this video, obviously, if there's any add-ons that you specifically grew up with or loved, make sure you let us know. Um, we we always like hearing from you guys.
1: So, All right. Actually, here's a question from the oh, uh, chat real fast. So Snarkast is actually, here's a question. Can you consider the PS4 Pro as sort of an add-on?
0: I wouldn't necessarily call that an add-on. I mean, that's just an, an actual system upgrade. But I see where his head's at. And, I mean, if you want to consider it an add-on, I say you can. Me, personally, I'd say, no, it's different enough. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't consider that add-on.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't either. It's a mid-generation upgrade, I think. I mean, the Xbox One and Product Scorpio do a little bit more than the PS4 Pro does, but, yeah, I mean, it's just minor upgrades. <clears throat> it's another cash grab, basically.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Now, PlayStation VR, there's an add-on. PS4 Pro itself, meh.
0: Yeah, no, that's a... that's a, Yeah, because we consider anything that actually act adds that actually physically or somehow gets added onto an existing system, not as a brand new system itself. That, that was how I was taking it. Um, all right. Yeah. So thanks the ne- for the question, bud. Yep. Thanks dude. So the next one is, uh, another one from Jim. Um, and it was actually, what is some of our favorite games to relax with or, you know, relax while we're playing. Uh, I definitely like this question because I always find myself torn. Um, I'm just going to break it into two categories. The first is when I used to have a lot more time. And if you just wanted to kind of have a mindless game, it would have been any of the systems when I was younger that were, you know, a 16 or 8-bit, you know, NES or Sega or Super NES. Any type of beat up or whatever. Something that, in my eyes, is kind of mindless. Nowadays, if I really am just going to relax... Um, obvious choice for me right now is No Man's Sky because that's a game that in my eyes I don't really have any real objective, so I'm just kind of dicking around, looking at planets, you know, seeing what's out there. Um, you could kind of with that same answer say Minecraft for me because that's a game like I'm not really trying to do anything; I'm just just really dicking around. And then my next answer is probably the weirdest, but you got to hear me out only considering single-player, really any newer wrestling game or the UFC games. There's something relaxing to me about, you know, just dicking around, and especially the UFC games, just knocking someone out or kicking them in the head or choking them out. Uh, it puts me at ease, and I know that doesn't really make sense, but I don't really get worked up a when sick I play those. <laughs> I just don't get worked up. Like, if I'm playing a game... Like, obviously, if I'm playing a multiplayer game, any FPS, I'm worked up because I'm in the game. I'm trying to do good. If I'm playing, you know, a game like Uncharted, I'm trying to beat the game. So I'm not going to be relaxing. But UFC, like, eh, whatever. If I win, I win. I don't, I don't. But I'm only going against computers, so I don't care. So, yeah, that's those are pretty much my answers.
1: Yeah, um, not bad. Not too weird, except for UFC games. But uh, actually, you're kind of right on with the newer wrestling games because the older ones, like when we went back and were playing No Mercy a while back, holy shit, that game was hard and frustrating. Like, you need to be up to date on your game on that. Like, if you remember it as easy, go back and play it now after like a decade. You're going to get your ass kicked. But, um, oh, also, funny mention Brian's No Man's Sky because we just reviewed it. Check it out down in our page check our videos out check our reviews and also we upload to vid me now so it'll be showing up on there shortly now that shameless plug out of the way uh, <laughs> i guess i'll go hey what what can i say i'm a salesman but i guess the games i go to the most when i want to just sit down and relax are probably and you're gonna hate this golf games i, t- uh,
0: I mean i understand you knew i was gonna say that too, I, I, well, I was just waiting for you to say a specific like Sega golf game, but no, actually no,
1: none of the no. While the Sega ones are okay, um, I'd actually say my two biggest go tos would be NES Open Tournament Golf and Hot Shots Golf Three on the PS2. And NES Open, very. I mean, you played it. Nice, simple, fun game. Works incredibly well. Gives you a ton of like golf options, and the courses are laid out well, but. I mean it definitely plays like a later gen game, which is good. And Remind also me, after that, Jim's it,
0: getting a ball tap for that.
1: Look, it's tradition. I have to do it at least once an episode.
0: It always gets muted out, but I'm just going to do it to you
1: anyway. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: but and Hot Shots Golf 3, man, is that a good game. I mean, it keeps the um it keeps the simple, you know, three button push a uh, plus push input method to you know do everything you want but you can put slicing on there you can do all kinds of different little techniques but just beyond that the game presentation even today it still looks like beautiful and it goes for definitely a more of a cartoony kind of presentation to it but it just it just holds up and luckily it didn't try to be realistic back in the PS2 era which kind of doesn't hold up but it still looks pretty the music is so calm and soothing like you can you you could probably use it as white noise to fall asleep to because it's just so just it gives you that ambient noise of actual golf along with just these nice happy tunes that aren't overwhelming and I don't know I can just sit there and play that shit for hours because I've already played through the entire game and the game gives you a ton of content but I've played through the whole thing, so at this point, even more now that I've unlocked everything, I can just sit and dick around and kind of do what I want with it, and I guess if I had to pick a weird one, I'd actually say the original Mortal Kombat. For some reason, if it's like randomly like 2 in the morning and my wife's asleep and I'm still up and I'm a little buzzed, I'll come down here and just pop in Mortal Kombat and just go, I guess, take a trip down memory lane, because especially that game, it's a simple fighter. I know how it works, I know the little tricks, so I'm not going to frustrate myself, and it's a good way to kill a half hour, basically.
0: Hmm, you wouldn't go with Mortal Kombat 2?
1: No, no, that game's harder, so (laughs) if I want to relax, I'm not going to go with that. That's true.
0: Yeah, no, and that actually, so two things I'll say. Um, First, one game that I know I think people would probably think of when you think relaxing would be like Echo the Dolphin, or, uh, oh, uh, or or Mist. One that you always love to reference.
1: Mist? When do I reference Mist?
0: When we first started this, that was like your suggestion for beer pairings on like 12 beers. <laughs> yeah, you're right.
1: You're like, oh, well, it's yeah, a game Mist. that lends itself to drinking well.
0: <laughs> but, uh, so, kind of with that same idea, what about... And you don't have to pick a specific game, but what is a game like? What is a game genre, I guess, for you personally, that like you cannot relax when you're playing?
1: Oh, shooters! Shooters. Whether yeah. it's whether it's like run and gun, first person, or like recently I've been getting into older shmups, and those games you can't relax for a goddamn second. So, goddamn it, Do not those... say shmups. Shmups, but. But, yeah, those are games, like, they're fun as hell, but I can't... If I want to actually try and make any kind of progress in it, there's no relaxing through that.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, see, it's funny. Shooters, on one hand, if I'm really caring and being competitive, I'm right there with you. But, like, honestly, like, when we do these podcasts, obviously, I play Call of Duty. And I'm not... I don't even have my game volume on, even if it's coming through on the, the Twitch I have Jim's voice turned up all the way, so I can My play these games. My sexy voice. <laughs> I can play these games without listening to them, and I don't really care how I'm doing. Um, after doing the Thirsty Thursdays for a while and playing games like Outlast and Alien Isolation. Oh. Games like that, I was legitimately on fucking edge intense the entire time. And there was no relaxation. So I won't say all survival horror, because if I know the game really well, like Resident Evil... I mean, I can relax a little bit, because I know what's coming up. But survival, hor- certain survival horror games, especially for the first time... That's probably the l- ones I could relax the least. Or, um... Yeah, I mean, I guess it just has to be that that's the genre for me, That where I could not relax at all. So,
1: Nah, all dude, right. even watching you play this, I couldn't relax. So, dude, no, I can see a, that.
0: Yeah, it was insane.
1: Um, and, yeah, from Twitch, Snarkast is saying that he actually feels that way with Final Fantasy 15. Uh, he, It's relaxing to him just because of the way the quest and monster hunts go. Huh. And apparently there's a lot of driving in it. And normally he hates big, uh, Final Fantasy games, but for some reason that really... I guess the way it's constructed, it's really a kind of relaxing RPG experience.
0: Nice. No, I mean, and, and that's yeah, the he's, thing. he's recommending
1: Dead Rising 4 to you, but you love the Dead Rising series, so we don't have to say oh, yeah. that for you.
0: No, yeah, Dead Rise. I mean, I will be getting that for sure. Um, that game, <laughs> it's actually kind of funny. I never took those games series, to the Dead Risings, so I would casually jump on there and, like... Like, I remember the first game, I'll never forget, I actually did that challenge where you've run over, like, 500 zombies or whatever the number. It was some crazy, Jesus. insane number of zombies you had to run over with a car just because it was a goddamn Xbox achievement when I cared about doing achievements. So... Um, yeah, we all
1: had that phase.
0: Yeah. All right, so then... The next topic, which is once again by Jim. Jim actually did provide most of the topics for today. But, I had to make uh, up for last week. <laughs> but what are what games do we enjoy watching people play the most? Uh, now, me and Jim, I think both grew up in similar situations where our friends tended to watch us play games. Um, I'm not. I was never a big watching someone play games. But now with youtube if i do happen to watch people play a game my first and my obvious answer is if it's a survival horror game i haven't played i like to see someone do it but i won't watch for too long because i don't want to get spoiled for me if that makes any sense like i couldn't turn around and watch someone play resident evil because i i play it myself and i know everything but if it's a new one that i haven't played then yeah i can watch it um but one game genre that actually I get a lot of enjoyment just because of how creative and crazy shit can be done is any of the real, like, GTA games, especially GTA five, when people are doing just absolutely insane, crazy shit. Like, when they're showing the crazy physics and able to flip a car, like, 25 times onto a moving plane, or just, like, things like that. Not playing the game the right way, like, going through the challenges, but, like, when they're just dicking around, I get a kick out of those, so... That is one kind of game I can always enjoy myself watching people.
1: Nice. Yeah, it's actually... GTA would make sense, especially since... I guess I can watch it easier than I can play it because I get motion sick from them. But... Uh, yeah, I guess for me when it comes to watching games... See, the thing that kind of inspired this question for me was... When I was a kid, I would go over my best friend's house and... Um, It was actually funny, because much like you with your best friend growing up, he would watch you play Resident Evil, so mine would watch me play it. But I'd go over there sometimes, and he would be on these really, really intense Final Fantasy kicks, and I'd be over there, and I'd be like, hey, let's go do something. And he'd be like, alright, in a second. And three hours later, he's still playing Final Fantasy VII. And at times, it would really annoy the shit out of me, but I gotta admit, sometimes I actually got really sucked into the game, so and funny enough, when I went to try and go back and play it on my own, I was pretty bored while doing it, so I guess not being able to experience it fully for myself maybe ruined it a bit, but, and, I mean, I guess an easy answer for me, I've mentioned it before, but I can sit and watch, like, competitive StarCraft 2, that's the only esport that I can actually watch, so I won't go into that too much again, but that's always a go-to for me, I can watch that shit for hours, and, Outside of that, like if I'm, I used to actually back in the day be one of those dorks who would sit on YouTube and watch people like hundred percent games in Guitar Hero or Rock Band, and I guess because of how, I guess because of how intensely addicted to those games were, I at the t- I was at the time like watching people do that shit. It got later on more so with the drumming because I'm a drummer as I mentioned before too. But sometimes watching a guy just whittle away on through the fire and flames on expert. That, was, that impressed the shit out of me for a while. That was real early YouTube, like 07.
0: Hmm. Now, I mean, that's definitely interesting. And obviously, I think with YouTube, I don't want to say the ability because you could always have watched your friends on local. But, like, yeah, the, the exposure. And I think most people, if you're going to watch someone play, you either want to see someone play who's really, really good or, or showing you some shit you didn't know or didn't see about the game. Because like I said, I can't watch someone play any game that I've played too much of. Um, competitive gaming, I definitely can't watch anyone do sports. Fighting games, as weird as it sounds, because it's not my favorite fighting game. But Super Smash Brothers, that locally, oh, like, yeah. like with our buddy who's a friggin' god at that game. And it's crazy yeah. to watch him play. I can sit there and watch because it's just kind of funny to see how many people can keep trying to beat him. So things like that, um, which kind of hark back to the arcades when there was that one asshole who was way too good at the game and everyone would be in a line trying to beat him in Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter. You know, I think that will never go away. You almost always are drawn to someone who's really, really good at a game. So I think that will never go out of style.
1: Yeah, that was funny when we were at that mountain house, and there was, what, 12 of us? And yep. at least eight of us tried to beat him, and we'd be doing four-on-four matches, and we'd all be ganging up on him, and he'd still be kicking our asses. So, Oh, yeah. And it was actually but, funny back, because we both went to Drexel, and a short little diversion, there is this thing called the commuter lounge where people like us who took trains in could kind of hang out with the other people who didn't live on campus. And he'd be down there, and random kid after random kid would be coming up and try to take him on, and he would wreck every single one of them.
0: Yeah, it it would be pretty bad. And, yeah, some people to some games just you can't beat or they're just way too good at it. And he's just one of those guys with that game. I'm sure everyone has a friend who's like that.
1: Oh, yeah, there's always one. Like me with Mario Kart.
0: Jim, you're only gonna Mario Kart against me because I don't care enough about the game.
1: No, I'm good against everyone in Mario Kart 64.
0: <laughs> I don't believe it.
1: <laughs> don't. <laughs> um, all right.
0: I think you might have had another topic. Double check the drive. I double checked the drive because right now I'm facing off against some crazy amount of zombies.
1: Son of a bitch. All right. Give me a second. Lou, 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 I've got some apples. Lou, Lou, Lou I've got some, too. Okay. Gotcha. Um. Oh, wait. No. Actually, no. That was the last thing I had. No Cortana. Go away. Stop listening. <laughs> God damn it. Now, that was it for me for um, topics that I had. You want okay, to talk about well, the beers real quick? Yeah, yeah. Well, first, give your
0: opinion of yours.
1: Um. You know what? It's pretty damn enjoyable. Um, it definitely has, it's got a nice little hop bite, but also a whole lot of, I'd almost say like lime kind of citrus, not so much like the normal citrus that you'd experience. And that gives you a good, like instant mouth kick. And then after that, it's kind of, it leaves a little bit of a hop flavor as an aftertaste, but it's nothing too overpowering. Uh, because of my setup right now, I wasn't able to pour it into a glass to really inspect it, but. Yeah, it's got a nice aroma to it. It's a solid beer. Uh, I drank one of the big boys of it, so... Oh, 60 IBUs. It does not taste like 60 IBUs. I'll say that right now. So, it's surprisingly smooth. Pepe Dunn did good. What can I say?
0: God damn it, Jim.
1: Um, (laughs) Too far?
0: Yeah, so my beer, I've had it multiple times before. It is is a really solid winter beer. Uh, It's kind of creamy for an ale the nutmeg and the cinnamon and and all the other spices very very subtle um it's probably one of the best casual winter beers you're going to be able to have because it's not sitting too heavy and that's coming from a guy who well i shouldn't have done this has been taking medication and is really sick i can still handle this beer fairly well
1: Solid. And actually, what do you call it? Going back to the watching people play games thing. Um, Have you ever watched Botchamania on YouTube? No. Okay, so basically what Botchamania is, it's pretty famous. It's a guy puts together all these clips of wrestlers like fucking up in the ring, screwing up their promos, other dumb little shit that goes on. So once a year, he'll host a No Mercy tournament. So Snarkast was saying how he likes to you know sit down. He can sit and watch people go through that, make up their own kind of wacky characters, and watch people actually be good at it. And plus, just the character himself of Matthew, he does help to keep it entertaining.
0: Okay. And I've actually watched it
1: myself, so I've sat through that.
0: Yeah, and I've, like, YouTubed... I I can't even say... I've never, like, sat and watched someone play a wrestling game, but, like... I don't know, if somebody created a really cool lifelike character that wasn't in a game, I might watch, if that makes any sense. But yeah, I, I can't sit there and watch a full... I don't know, that's a game because I could just turn around, pick up, and play. But no, I, yeah, I appreciate like, something like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely because of the personality who's hosting it, I can watch it. But if it was just some Joe Schmuck Let's Play channel playing it, I couldn't sit through that.
0: Yeah. No, I get it. Alright, well, I think and I didn't even realize that is actually a full hour, so we'll end at the actual appropriate Woo-hoo! time this time. Um, once again, obviously everyone, if you were watching, we appreciate it. If you're watching this on YouTube or or anywhere else, we always appreciate your support. If you have comments or there's topics you want us to talk about on these future podcasts, uh, don't be shy. We obviously respond to pretty much everyone. So uh, thank you, guys. We appreciate it. And remember to drink your beers and play your games responsibly. Cheers, guys.
1: Cheers, guys. Take care.